Hey, Generations Church, my name is Sean Tomei, and I'm the Executive Director for the Northwest Christian Evangelistic Association. I am so stoked just to be able to be here with you on this online gathering service today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are so excited about the work that God is doing in and through Generations Church, and we just want to say thank you. Thank you for loving people in the name of Jesus. Thank you for making a difference in uh, Salmon Creek for the kingdom of God. Uh, I get to be one of the people that get to hang out with Kyle and sit on the partnership team. And uh, it's just an honor to be able to uh, partner uh, with uh, Generations Church. Our ministry exists to see Jesus Christ exalted as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we want to see the kingdom of God expanded in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. We want to help connect people to Jesus and a good church home like Generations Church. We get to do three things in our ministry. Number one, we get to come alongside and encourage pastors. Number two, we get to help train reproducing disciple makers. And number three, we get to plant new churches like Generations Church. And so again, we're so grateful just to be partners with you. We want to say well done. You guys have done an amazing job in a crazy uh, year. And uh, we're just looking forward to some great work that God is going to do uh, in this upcoming year of 2021. And so uh, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, Generations Church is kicking off a brand new series this week called The Stories We Tell. And I'm excited uh, just to share with you some stories and to look at a really powerful story in the Bible today. So let me pray for us and then we'll dive right in. Father, thanks for this time that we get to be together. Thank you for um, the work that you are doing in Generations Church. Thank you for the lives that have been changed, and thank you for the lives that will continue to be changed for your glory. God, we thank you for your story. We thank you for uh, the scriptures that tell of your story. And God, I just pray that you would use this time as we look into your word and as we're reminded of your love story uh, for us, that you would just speak to us, God, that you would encourage us, and that you would just um, move in our lives. And God, would you give us the opportunity to uh, go and share with other people the story that we're hearing from you and go tell that to them as well. And uh, we're just excited, God. Thanks for letting us be together here today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but one thing that I've been thinking about going through this crazy 2020 year has been what kind of stories are people going to tell when this year is over? I mean, just think about it for a minute. Can you imagine five years, 10 years from now, and you're flipping through your phone and you're looking at some pictures and all of a sudden you start telling some stories of what took place in 2020 some stories about COVID-19, some stories about the um, presidential election uh, journey, uh, the stories about um, just uh, some of the issues that our country faced with racism, the stories about 
uh, churches having to go online or um, be open or wearing masks. There's going to be all kinds of crazy stories. In fact, uh, last week, uh, just after Thanksgiving, my family and I were sitting around the dinner table and we started talking about some of the stories that we are already thinking about that's taken place this year. For example, when COVID hit um, right around March of, uh, of this year, um, my daughter, one of my daughters was studying abroad in the country of Jordan. And we had, uh, we had 24 hours to get her out of that country before that country shut down all of the, the planes going in and out of Jordan. And it was a crazy time for us as a family. But now we look back on it and we kind of laugh about it. Or another story uh, that we were thinking about um, was that in the middle of COVID, when we were all in lockdown mode, my wife had this crazy idea. Hey, how about we make ourselves useful and let's paint the inside walls of our house. We live in a two-story house with vaulted ceilings, and we ended up painting um, every wall and ceiling inside of our home during that time. And it was just a crazy time. Our kids were running around with paintbrushes, and there was paint flying everywhere. But now we kind of look back, and we look at the walls, and we're like, hey, remember when we painted that wall in the middle of COVID? Then we, we were reminiscing about another story. Uh, one night, we were all bored. And uh, one of our kids had the idea like, hey, let's play uh, an adult version of hide-and-go-seek. And so um, we turned off every light in the house, and uh, only the seeker got this really dim flashlight. And everyone would go and hide, um, and then the seeker would have to walk around in the dark looking uh, for where we were all hiding. And the crazy thing about that is that our kids were hiding you know, down in our crawl space underneath, you know, our house. Um, some of them went into our uh, hallway closet and climbed up to the top shelf. And the only reason why we found them is because the shelf collapsed and broke down. And it was just a crazy time for us. But we look back and it's kind of a funny story now. But I'd say probably one of the best stories that we have experienced so far was last weekend. After Thanksgiving, um, as tradition has it in our home, we all decided to go out and cut down our Christmas tree. So we told our kids, hey, this year you guys can pick out the Christmas tree. So we went out to a Christmas tree farm out in Hillsborough and um, we're tromping through uh, the uh, Christmas tree farm and our kids found this Christmas tree. I don't know if we can even call it a tree. It's a bush. I kid you not. The The bush was less than four feet tall. It was short and stout and fat and ugly. And it was by far the most horrible Christmas tree bush that I've ever seen in my life. And my kids looked at us and said, this is the tree that we want. <laughs> my wife and I were like, you know what? It's 2020. Why not cut down the bush? And so we cut it down and we brought it in. And every time that we walk by it in our living room, we look at this Christmas bush that looks like it's missing its top half. And we're like, what a funny story.
there's so much power in the stories that we tell. And it's one thing for us to be telling stories to one another, but I'll tell you what, there's nothing more powerful than the stories of the biblical accounts that took place in the scriptures that we get to read and then take them in and then share them with others. So we're in this series, uh, The Stories We Tell. And what I love about the stories in the Bible is that you can look at the story and you can see that there is a problem that creates some type of tension. And then there is a promise that we can put our hope in. And then there's a principle that we can live our life by. And so we're going to look at that concept this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 18. And as you turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 1, let me just give you a reminder or maybe an introduction to who Matthew is. Matthew, he was a tax collector and no one liked him because he cheated everyone. That was his problem. But we read um, about Matthew had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus gave him this promise that if if he would come and follow him, that he would make him into a fisher of men and that he could be part of his family. And that was the promise that Jesus gave to him. And then there's this principle that we see that all of these other people, they were really upset with Jesus because he was spending time with people like Matthew, like tax collectors. And Jesus shares this principle that we see in the Gospel of Matthew, and he tells them, listen, I didn't come to heal the healthy, but I came for those that are sick and broken. And so Matthew is the one that's writing the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew, on a larger sense, is trying to address a problem. He's writing to a group of Jews that are waiting for the coming Messiah of the stories that were told hundreds of years ago. Matthew was writing to a group of Jews trying to convince them that Jesus really is the Messiah that God promised so long ago. And that was the problem. And the promise is that Matthew, throughout all 28 chapters, he continues to lean back into the stories of the Old Testament and reminds people of the promise that God will send the Messiah to come into the world to take the place of all the sins and to be present amongst his people. In fact, there's a uh, scripture in uh, the Old Testament in uh, the book of Micah, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. This is just one of the prophecies that we can look at on how Jesus fulfilled the promise that the scriptures were talking about. Matthew, I'm sorry, Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says this, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. And Micah is talking about the future 
of Jesus. And throughout the book of Matthew, we begin to learn these principles that Jesus is the one that is going to be sent into the world to take place of all the sins of the world and allow God's presence to dwell within us. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, one of the stories that Matthew records about Joseph, Mary, and the birth of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 1, we'll look starting in verse 18, and we're going to look at three things today. The problem the promise, and the principle, okay? Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Here's the problem. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Did you catch what the problem is that Matthew is recording that's going on with Joseph right now? Uh, Joseph was engaged or betrothed with Mary. And back in biblical times, parents would arrange the marriage, and then, then they would give the couple a a year-long period, they would officially be married or engaged, but they would have a year-long period to prove that they were going to be faithful and true. And if the woman became pregnant during that year period from another man, then the man would know that she was not true to him. And so here's the problem. Joseph and Mary are engaged, and then all of a sudden, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. Now, by law, Joseph could have come to um, the city judges and uh, he could have had her stoned. But because he was a, a righteous man and he didn't want to um, expose her to public, dis um, public disgrace, he had this plan in mind just to divorce her very quietly. That was the problem. Now look at what comes next, the promise. Verse 20, but after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is actually from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he is going to be the one that will save his people from their sins. So here's the problem. Mary's pregnant. Here's the angel reminding Joseph of the promise. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's actually conceived in her, it's actually from God that is keeping his promise from a long time ago. And she is going to give birth and you are to give him the name Jesus. And the promise is this. He is going to be the one that will save people from their sins. 
There's the problem, and then there was the promise. Now look at the principle that Matthew shares with us in the rest of this passage, starting in verse 22. He says, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. And so in this part of the text, here comes the principle. Matthew is reminding the Jews that this is actually all taking place because God is going to keep his promise because the stories from long ago in the Old Testament are all pointing to this moment right now that God is going to bring Jesus into the world and and they are to give him the name Emmanuel, which is to remind them this principle that God is now present with us. There's the problem, there's the promise, and then there is the principle. I love this story, but we have to take a, take a moment here and just say, okay, this is a great story, but what does this story have to do with us? Because every story has power from the scriptures to make a difference in our lives as well. So if this story is true, if this really took place according to the scriptures, then the question is, what is going to be our response? So the first thought that I had was, just like Joseph had a problem that Mary was found to be with child, you and I have a problem as well. In fact, the Bible makes it really clear that all humanity has a problem. And that that problem is what we call sin. In, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome. And he shares with them that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He says that every single person has sometime in their life had this problem that we have all rebelled against God, that we have all turned away from God, that we have all chosen to go our own way and kind of leave God in the dust. The problem is, he says that every single one of us have sinned and we have fallen short of the expectations that God has for us. But the Bible doesn't stop there, just like there's a problem. Well, then as we read the Bible, there is a promise. And the promise is this. In Romans chapter 5, just a couple chapters later, 
Paul says this, you see at just the right time when you and I were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that awesome? So we're reminded we have this problem, but then as we read the scripture, we're reminded there is a promise, and the promise is Jesus. And the promise is that when you and I were still a far way off, rebelling against God, doing our own thing, God took the initiative and he sent Jesus Christ into the world to die upon the cross for each and every one of our sins so that he might demonstrate just how much he loves you and how much he loves me. And while you and I were still sinners, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, taking all of the sins of the world upon his shoulders, crucifying that to the cross in his death, and then he was buried, and then three days later, he rose again from the grave, conquering sin and death. And that's the promise that this story tells us. But not only do we have the uh, uh, the problem and the promise, but then we're able to begin to look at the principle that we can learn from the stories in the scripture. And the principle is what we just read that Matthew was recording in Matthew chapter 1. And as he was telling that story of Joseph and Mary, the principle is that Jesus is the one who saves us from our sins. And now God is with us. Let me read this scripture to you again. Matthew 1, verse 21-23. It says that she, referring to Mary, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this, this whole story that's been told, all the stories that have been told in the Old Testament and the story that we're reading right now in Matthew chapter one and the story that we read in the New Testament, all of this took place to fulfill the promise of what the Lord said through the prophet in Isaiah that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. It means God with us. Church, we are reminded of this principle that Jesus is the one that died for our sins. And now God is with us. And so here's the principle that I want to share with you from this story today. God loves you and he wants to be part of your life. Uh, Let me say that again, and let me just let that sit with you for a second. God loves you, 
He loves you. And he wants to be part of your life. If you take a moment and you look back at the the, the, the meta-narrative story of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation, you will be reminded that God loves you and he wants to be part of your life. When you look at the books of the Bible, the 66 books that make up the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll see this theme that's woven throughout each book. And the theme is this, God loves you and he wants to be part of your life. When we read this story today with Joseph and Mary, what are we reminded of? This incredible story that God kept his promise to send Jesus into the world to save people from their sins so that he can be with us. Why? Because God loves you and he wants to be part of your life. I don't know where whoever's listening today, I don't know what your experience has been with Christianity or um, with Christians or with churches. And I'll be the first to admit that sometimes as, as Christians, people don't handle themselves and reflect truly what God is saying here. But I want you to know this. I want it to be made clear as we launch this series this week of the stories that we tell because it's so powerful. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't even matter what you'll do in the future. That will not change God's love for you. And his desire is to be in this intimate, personal, loving relationship with each and every one of us. And the reason why I'm so excited to tell you this story today, and I'm so appreciative that Kyle invited me to share this with you, is because I believe that this is the most powerful story that you and I can hear. And it's the most powerful story that you and I can go and tell others. And so here's my challenge to you today. If you are not following Jesus, um, I want to say thank you for just joining us for our time together today. But I really want to encourage you to think about this God that is madly in love with you, that sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross for, for all of the things that we have done and so that he can be in relationship with you. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you to reach out to one of the staff members or one of the members of a generation's church and, and just let them know that you're interested in learning more about what it means to just be in relationship with God. And this story is being told today for you so that you can hear those words. For those of you that are already following Jesus, the series that we're in is called The Stories That We Tell. The Stories That We Tell. And I want to encourage you, this is such an opportune time that we have to go and share the hope and the story of Jesus with people in a crazy year that is in desperate need of hope and of good news. If you are following Jesus, I want to encourage you to look for ways 
any way that, that's possible to lovingly and just warmly go and tell other people that God loves them and wants to be in relationship with you. I am so thankful for the stories that are recorded in the scriptures. And I'm so thankful for the stories that we get to continue just to, to hear and to remember. And I'm so thankful for the stories that God is putting into our lives today so that we can go and use those stories to help tell others about the hope of King Jesus. I'm so grateful that you joined us today. If you're interested in learning more about Generations Church, make sure that you check out their website. Make sure that you just reach out to them. They would love to connect with you as well. And uh, I'm just grateful to be able to share this story with you. And I hope and pray that you will have an opportunity to go and share this story with someone else this week. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you um, for this message. I thank you. Um, that you are the one that takes care of our problems. And I thank you um, for the promises that you give to us through Jesus. And I thank you for the principles that we can continue to build our life on, and not just for us, but then to take to others to share the good news with them as well. And Father, I pray uh, today, if there's someone that's listening um, to this message and uh, they're not following you, would you just remind them how much you love them? and how much you desire to be with them. And God, I pray um, that, uh, that you would continue just to show up in our lives and give us opportunities this week as, as you send us to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family members, to our co-workers, to people that we come in contact with. May we be excited and ready to share this story about how much you love us and want to be part of our life. I thank you, God, for just the gift of being with my friends today and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for letting me share my heart, my stories with you. May God bless you. Keep up the good work, Generations. We love you and love what God's doing. Amen. See you soon.